Welcome to the Founder and Funder Experience, brought to you by Valence Advisory and Mattermade. This podcast serves to bring to light the different journeys select founders and funders took to get to where they are today. We hope their lives and their learnings continue to inspire both present and future innovators. Hello, everyone. My name is Arjun Dev Aurora, and I am the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support funds and founders and help them accelerate their efforts through people, capital, and strategy. And now off to John. Hi, John Lu here. Thank you, Arjun. Um, so along with Arjun, I'm uh, the co-founder and advisor at Valence Advisory. Um, I head up uh, leadership coaching and facilitation, but enough about us. We can plug ourselves all day. We're not averse to that. Today's wonderful guest is Neha Tana, and she is dialing in all the way from the UK. So Neha, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience and tell us um, what you've been up to these days? Yeah, thank you. Thank you both Arjun and uh, John for having me uh, on this. Uh, really happy to be here. So yeah, so as you said, I'm I'm in London. We're still pretty much in lockdown. I'm working from home since March. But predominantly what we've been working on, of course, is with Giants Partners and, and Social Starts. Still looking at startups, still investing heavily in startups, uh, large focus on fundraise, despite the difficult circumstances. It's still ongoing. Should I, should I give a quick intro about myself? Maybe that will give some context. Yeah. Please, thank you. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, so I'm actually a doctor by background. I went to medical school here in London. Um, I went through various specialties before deciding to uh, get my license as a general practitioner. Because before that, I had done some surgery and emergency medicine. And actually, in the UK, uh, becoming a general practitioner is the quickest way to get your license. <laughs> and I knew at that point I wanted out. Like, I didn't want to do full-time medicine, right? I still love medicine, the act of medicine. I just did not want to be in it full-time. And there was this urge to do something else. So then after, you know, a year of exploring, I ended up in the pharmaceutical industry. So I worked for Merck. American Merck or MSD in various roles from medical affairs to, you know, clinical development, regulatory. I was really lucky to be involved with one of the launches of an oncology drug, I think which you guys know by the name uh, Keytruda, uh, which was super great here. And there is where I really saw what early stage innovation meant. And so I ended up doing a stint with their in-licensing department, so buying in biotech companies. So I got to see the exit side. And I always wanted to be on the other side of the table. I was like, I don't want to be on the exit. I want to do the other thing. So I then left and joined a startup, uh, which was a medical imaging startup. Uh, and I also did my MBA at the time. So I was with the startup for three years before, before leaving. And at that point, I was actually looking to join a scale-up, something probably a bit more closer to my expertise, either biotech or digital health. But then I met uh, a venture builder based out of Singapore uh, called Creatella, and they were launching in Europe. And I thought, well, that's super early. It's the other side of the spectrum. It's a really good way to kind of get experience. And then I also did some work with EOS Ventures on their advisory board, which is an insurtech VC, uh, looking after their life and health. And then I met Joyance as they were launching last May in Europe. And when I was offered well told about the proposition and then offered the job I just couldn't I couldn't say no so since last um, May I've been working to grow Joyance and Social Starts in Europe and and now hopefully raise the next fund wow excellent thank you for um, covering so much ground in a few minutes <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah sorry yeah Arjun was there something you wanted to mention yeah so just a, an amazing background thank you for sharing yeah, it's a fascinating very, story yeah, very illuminating um, and um, 
you know, just taking a step back, you know, you, you invest obviously to become a general practitioner or have a medical, be a licensed medical practitioner. That's mm. no small undertaking itself, right? No, I'm not. Um, that's years of investments, um, countless nights of no sleep, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And so you reach this point where you decide, wow, I've spent a lot of m- m- my early career invested in this career, yeah? And wow. you're confronted with a choice, right? <laughs> like, can you tell us a bit more about, you know, what thinking challenge, if anything, you went through to evaluate making a big pivot in your life because hindsight's always twenty twenty. Hindsight's always like, oh, I survived that. That's not so bad. But yeah. in in the moment and for the moment, um, I think there's um, there's something interesting to unpack there. Could you speak to that a bit more? Yeah, sure. It's, you know, uh, I've only been asked this question maybe once or twice. And every time I think back to that time, I, st- I still don't know what it is that made me do it. But all I remember thinking at the time was I was a general practitioner. I knew I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the work environment, right? I knew I did not want to do this for the next 30 or 40 years of my life. And so I think as with anyone that's doing something, and I can't, I think, I don't know if it's me or if it's just generally human nature. When you're doing something that you do not enjoy, I became something then, therefore, that I didn't want to be. I was miserable. I, you know, I didn't want to look after myself. I, you know, I was just always complaining. I'm like, oh, what is this? Like, what am I becoming? Uh, and so I spent like a year exploring a lot of things. And th- that's very much on the professional level. And I did everything from repatriation repatriation medicine. I did private urgent care. I did all these things to figure out what the hell I wanted. Um, And I still couldn't find it. But all I knew is that whatever it was I was doing was not what I was born to do or what I was meant to do. It was just this restlessness uh, within me. So professionally, I knew that the next 30 years, whatever it was, was not this. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't have that clarity of thought. but very quickly, I, I want to just mention uh, what is it, you know a, a nudge that I got from life because I think that played a very big role. I, I lost my dad at exactly that time, right? And he was an entrepreneur. I was very close to him. He was he you know and his there were a few things that happened that woke me up <clears throat> that I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Because he had achieved so much, you know. His uh, I just remember very clearly his funeral day was over a thousand people. And I'm, I don't know how to this day he did that. Right. I'm like, what did he do? And all I can remember thinking growing up was, well, he was doing something he loved and that must be it. He was doing something he loved. He was doing something that he was always helping people because through the business world, he was getting lots of, even after he passed away, lots of letters were coming home saying, your dad changed my life. He offered me the role. He took a risk on me. He took a chance on me. And all these things kept happening. I was like, okay, well then, there's something in it. So I was like, okay, I have to do something completely out of the blue. Otherwise, I'm never going to figure this out, just staying within medicine. So actually, I was offered a role at MSD. It was one of the things that I was pursuing was pharmaceutical industry. And I, I was offered that role and I was super grateful for it. And I learned a lot uh, being there and I switched to the corporate world. And like you say, hindsight is 2020. But I was there for like seven years, right? But after four years, I got that same itch. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's happening again. Uh, except this time there was no life trauma to like really knock me out, right? I just took another three years to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. And all I can say is that 
what was it that made me take that risk? It was just to be happy in that moment in my life. I was miserable otherwise. And I think, I think that was all it was. And then everything else is exploring, meeting people, networking, um, you know, and all these other, all these other things that just fall into place after. But I think the drive was that I wasn't, I didn't like who I was when I was doing it, if that makes sense. That makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, I'm not sure it makes sense. Um, but if anyone is watching this who can make sense of that, you can contact Neha for clarity. Um, <laughs> won't have the answers, but I just fascinating. Fascinating that um, you know, obviously, you know, Joanne's social stars hired you and invested in you, um, in your health and happiness. I guess in a in a way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in an indirect way. <laughs> So you got that itch again after working pharmaceutical and then you got into venture and then eventually, eventually you met the founders of Joyance and, um, social starts. Yeah. How did that connection get made? Um, how did uh, you close such a fit for exactly what you were looking for? Um, yeah. Right. So this is where I really believe that when you, <laughs> you put out there what you want and you have real 100% self-belief, it will come. It will come, right? And I remember very clearly, I was actually still in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, sitting at my desk and uh, through the, I went, did my MBA at London Business School and Paolo, who's the MD for Europe, had just been hired, right, to kickstart the European team. And on the LBS sort of message board, in-house message board, he put up an email saying, looking for uh, a principal, uh, you know, looking at health and happiness. And there was a whole spiel about what they do. And I opened it up and I closed it again. I was like, I have tried looking at VC. Is VC really for me? Do I really want to do it? And I opened it and closed it like three times. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Just email him. I have nothing to lose. I emailed him. I almost didn't send it actually. And I wrote it three or four times because it was a case of, do I really want to go into a role like this that sounds incredible, but will they take someone like me, right? Okay, I'd had some startup experience. Okay, I'd contracted with some VCs, but it's a very competitive world. And then I, I sent it to him and he's, uh, and of course, within three days, he actually wrote back going, I think you're too senior for this role. Are you sure you want this? And I was like, look, I am not totally driven of course, everyone is driven by some money and some materialistic. Okay, I would lie. I think people would lie if they said that they weren't. You want to be able to live, right? But I said, I'm not driven by a ridiculously high salary or something like that. But if I think I can add value to your team, then let me have a chat. Let's meet. Let's have a conversation. Uh, and he said, okay, come meet me on Saturday. And... Uh, he, I found out from him that, and so I did. I had the interview with him on Saturday. Uh, we chatted for about an hour and a half. Um, I'm glad he opened my email because he said he had about 150 emails in response to that ad. So I'm very grateful that he opened it. Uh, and then the rest is history. You know, I said, I met Michael Monday, uh, Bill on Monday, Michael Wednesday, and then that was it. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, looking back now, what, what do you think Bill and Mike saw? in you that was great for the role and also your, about your potential that was great for the role that perhaps wasn't clearly illuminated for yourself ah oh, that's a good question you might have to ask them that question <laughs> i i uh 
Uh, okay, so I've been with them now over a year. And over the last year and a bit, the comments they have made, and so I really don't like shining a light on myself, but this is what they have said to me. So at least I know it's, you can ask them and they'll say the same thing. Uh, well, one, of course, my expertise, right, in health and healthcare and the fact that I've done both sides. I've done corporate late stage and I've done early stage. Uh, but they have both separately said to me that uh, listening to my intuition is one thing that they, and believing in it, uh, is something that they both uh, like in that I'm also not afraid to stand up for it. <laughs> um, I think if you ask Paolo, he might say I'm a bit too loud mouth and I'm a bit too opinionated. But it's just that I believe, when I believe in something, I believe in it. And that's it, right? That's how I, I'm driven. And that's what I do. The second thing they've said is, I guess, a natural leader. I mean, they did said on a number of occasions that, you know, you're just a natural leader. People seem to listen to you, they want to follow you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to do my best by them and by the fund. Um, but I think it, it's those two things, like the subject matter expertise and then the, the natural leadership and intuition. Um, interestingly, it plays a big role in venture, more than I thought. So. Wow, we're going to highlight that line. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at the earliest stages. Don't quote right. me, don't quote me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and wow, wow, so amazing. And so that was, um, so it's been a couple of years now. Um, a year and a bit, last May. And, and you know, in your short time, which is probably like dog years, right? In venture, <laughs> early stage venture. I feel like year, it. <laughs> like the, um, what are, you know, for yourself, what are, what are some of the most memorable moments, whether it's working with team members? Um, internally and startups externally or other stakeholders, even in this ecosystem? What were some of the things that really reinforced to you that, yes, this is exactly the space I should be in? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so two, two things for that. One is the stage of investment, right? You really meet people who are passionate, driven, uh, really believe in what they're doing. Uh, you meet really intellectual people, right? Who are smart. They've either been through things in life that have made them who they are, or they've experienced things in life that have brought them to that particular position. And so it's when you have a conversation, it's a really meaningful conversation. I, I learn something from every entrepreneur that I meet. And I think that's how it should be, right? Uh, you should learn from wherever you, whoever you meet to understand perspectives and ideas because especially the early stage for example if you look at epigenetics right it's competitive space there are maybe i don't know 100 startups in that one space and each one of those entrepreneurs is going to bring something different to the table so now which one succeeds is part of our job and figuring out which one of those 100 is going to be the success um so the things that i really enjoy that speaking to the early stage um founders and the second is the thesis. I mean, health and happiness could not be more relevant than it is today. I mean, not only are regulators, policymakers, payers talking about it, but the average the consumer is now talking about it and they're demanding more, more than, you know, five, eight, ten years ago. If I think back to when I was training in medical school and the technologies that were available versus what is available now and the interest of people wanting to be involved in that space is diametrically like opposite, you know, it's totally different. And as horrible as it is, I think COVID has accelerated that discussion five years, ten, five is conservative, 10 years maybe, and regulators are going to be willing 
to listen. So I think this is going to be like a time of exponential change. It's not even just going to be a slow rate of change. I think it's going to be super fast. And I, I couldn't be luckier to be in a place where my expertise, my passions and everything just align. Um, and so when you say, can I think of moments that I really enjoy? It, it's hard to pinpoint one or two, but it's just the chance to have really stimulating conversations with people in this ecosystem. It's, it's incredible. Like yourself, like both of you <laughs> and this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's very kind. And obviously, you know, entering, I wouldn't say an entirely new profession, but entering a fund with an entirely new, uh, innovative approach to uh, like investing, evaluating deals, and also a thesis that arguably could say is unprecedented in terms of its global coverage. And the number of sectors of health and happiness that it touches. There's really nothing else quite like joyants and social studies. Good marketing plug. But <laughs> I agree. That, I agree with you. <laughs> aside from that, the, um, but, you know, a team and a, and a space that requires you to personally and professionally grow quite rapidly. Yeah. Um, and having only been at the fund for a year, over a year, what would you say are some of your most humbling learning moments or growth opportunities that that you are grateful for? You know. Yeah. Uh, well, one, I, I honestly have to say, Mike and Bill, right? You know, to be able to be working with two incredible people from the industry who are not greedy, they have a natural mentorship nature about them. They're very supportive. They're always there at the end of the phone call. More importantly, they have your back. Right. Uh, and as a team, it, it's incredible. They're very, very supportive. So that, that's something that has definitely come out because having worked with other venture funds and not belittling them in, in, in any way, but the culture is not one of mentorship generally in this industry. It's very competitive. Um, it's very, you know, it's very difficult. It's always much about, it's that. It's, they don't, in Joyant and social starts, there is not that culture of you're in the rat race. Whereas in some other funds, there is how quickly can you become partner or how quickly can you get X many unicorns in your fund? Now, of course, doing well financially is very important to the fund. But the culture that Mike and Bill have built uh, has been incredible. So that has contributed to my rate of learning and my rate of changing. And I remember, and I was lucky enough to have this sort of uh, point of reference. There was a founder that I spoke to last July and he came across us again for a different startup, funnily enough, this April. And uh, we have to do call reports right after each of our startups, just so that we have a frame of reference and the whole team can learn. <laughs> I saw my call report from last July and my call report from this April. It was very different. So I was like, man, I've changed or I've learned without necessarily realizing. Uh, and that, and that, whether that's my judgment and assessment of a startup, judgment of a founder, of a team, business model, revenue, ev everything, right? That we normally look at in this, at this stage. So I think for me, the biggest thing has been I have learned without realizing it. Uh, until I had this frame of reference. Um, and that can only come from the patience of having good leaders. I have never at any point had made to feel like, oh, you don't know this. It's very, it's a very open culture in the team. But then that also plays out in the thesis, right? So a few things that have been added to our thesis have only come because 
Mike has been willing to listen to things that we should add to our thesis. Um, you know, so there are certain, there are certain areas like physical space, um, insurance and health, these kind of areas that perhaps had not been looked at before, where if you have a conversation that doesn't make you feel like you're judged, then it encourages the other person to, to bloom or, or grow. And these things have all happened very subtly, but then, it's not like I woke up one morning and I was like, oh, wow, I've learned. It was, it's only been like this last one year. And I saw that change in my judgment from looking at that founder. And so if you ask me the same question in a year's time, I don't know, it might be something different. Um, but it can only come from that genuine, I want to teach you, I want to train you, you're the next generation of this fund to the whole team. Uh, and, uh, you know, we we're trying to build an incredibly successful fund. So I don't know if that answers your question because it, it's not one thing, but it's certainly been sort of little things along the way that have made me learn and grow for sure. Absolutely. 100%. I have grown. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That Thank you. My question. Although I think I forgot what my question was, but that felt like it answered the question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, thinking and for yourself being in this unique position of a great mentorship and growth in a profession you absolutely love now. Um, how have you gone about thinking about the future and how how you want to shape the the venture and uh, innovation ecosystem? Uh, I wouldn't go so egotistical to say, oh, your brand of leadership, but the brand of leadership that respects your individuality, but still uh, works well with um, the collective, you know? Oh, it's such a good question. I've had this conversation a couple of times in the team. Uh, so we have this, Mike has to say, we want to build a legendary fund. Okay. Right. That's something that we all want to get behind. And I think we are behind, but what does that mean? <laughs> so I think constantly being at the front edge of innovative technology and science. I think science is critical here, right? Technology, of course, is important, but science is moving at a pace like we've never seen before. And things are moving from just being published in a paper to actually being accessible to the public at a rate that had not happened before. So I would like us as a fund to be ahead of the curve there. I believe we already are with health and happiness. And I want to stay ahead of the curve in terms of science and deep tech and bringing those technologies and scientific innovations to the forefront. So that's the absolute must. It has to be. Our investment strategy, like you say, is definitely unique. You know, we see, I don't know, 10,000 companies a year or whatever. And, we, you know, we make one to two investments a month. I think that's also key to our success because we get to do pattern recognition, right? I already mentioned, let's just stick with the theme of epigenetics. If we see all five new companies that are, that come up in the last month, we will immediately, hopefully, our human mind will be able to pick up the best one, right? By just seeing the strongest signals in those startups. And I think if you can replicate that in every theme or subject that you're looking at, then there's this formula for success, right? I'm not saying that there's going to be one formula for success, but that is a formula for success. Definitely uh, the stage of investing and the team. It's a very trusting team. And we're very careful about who we let in. Not that we're protective or closed at all in any way, but the culture of the team is what's, if we're happy, right? If the whole team is happy, 
talking to our thesis, we will perform at our best. If we perform at our best, we will honor our commitments to our LPs. And if they're happy, they'll keep funding us. So, you know, it's uh, it's a whole cycle. It's a whole loop. But I also think if you really want to go sci-fi, and I can go sci-fi on you a little bit, <laughs> the next thesis to me is the next level of how nature and science come together, closer together, right? As human beings, people are waking up to, you know, the scientific theories behind nature and how they, you know, make us happy and healthier. If we could, and I believe science and nature are getting closer or biology and nature, or engineering and nature, whatever you want to call it, they're coming closer and closer. And I think we may end up looking down that, that line further down the line, maybe the next one. But these areas are things that I'm particularly interested in. Yeah. Among lots of other things, but I don't want to bore you. (laughs) No, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. That you're sharing that next frontier or going a bit sci-fi, as you say, is a wonderful place to uh, pause this interview, actually. I think that's a great way to finish out. 